Matt Will. No L's, just sevens. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shifts, ripping off rip, quick in the hits, first on the list is Mad Will, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up facade, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Daily Blitz Football Pot. It's a wonderful Friday morning, November 12th. It is the big dude with the big mouth from the Big Apple, big Johnny Stud, coming to you worldwide from Brooklyn, New York. Unfortunately, the host of the show, Mr. Matt Williams, is with his family getting some well-deserved R&R. You know, my man crushing two sports, working around the clock. He's hanging out with his wonderful wife. Let's wish him a wonderful weekend that means it's me luigi chewbacca robin whatever other awesome sidekick you could think of driving the ship today for the big friday show oh man i don't think it's going to be as detailed as normal really talk about being the one man band so i think we'll do this we're going to do the same exact thing as usual as far as going through the board left to right on the dk draft lobby that's the easiest way to do it that way you could pinpoint where we are fast forward or we to get the games I try and make it a point to say the team names as often as possible if you're skipping around the podcast I know what it's like to consume content looking for something specific man there's even been times I used to take notes I got to start rambling we got to start doing it well where I was getting is if you're looking for more of it anything that I miss I'll be covering on my live Sunday show that's going off on Sunday morning check the Twitter handle it's usually at 11 a.m. we talked about maybe bumping it up a bit so if you just follow me up at MLB moving averages or NFL moving averages John Legaza on the Bluebird Twitter machine and don't forget to follow my aforementioned host Mr. Matt Williams at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S Let's get down and do the thing we do so very well First up, it's the Detroit Lions going to black and yellow black and yellow Steeltown, Pittsburgh Detroit laying 8 points on the road 42 and a half is your total there pretty low with good reason Lions move at a snail's pace Pittsburgh moves at a snail's pace neither one of these offenses very good Lions averaging 17 points a game Pittsburgh averaging 19 but man how you can't really compare the two defenses in this one Detroit Lion D 29% pass DVOA one of the worst line grades in the league they've only gotten 14 sacks allowing 9 yards per attempt and 13 yards per completion even though they're surrendering like a league best only 20 eight attempts and 19 completions so when opposing quarterbacks throw against the Lions they tend to get it done Big Ben really has not been a world beater but look at the guys that have gotten to the Lions Garoppolo went for 314 Lamar of course did his things Kirk Cousin 275 Burrow 271 Stafford 334 until I wouldn't say they played well against the Eagles that game script just got away Pittsburgh Steelers on offense moving really slow they've also had trouble running the rock efficiently though they refuse to give it up 3.64 adjusted line yards on the year 23 attempt for 86 yards only three and a half yards per running back carry you know it's funny it'd be easy to say that's not gonna get it done except in fantasy sports or daily sports opportunity is king and if there's a king of the kingship Najee Harris is the man he has the highest average attempts in the game right now I mean it's 22 rushes and two catches 24 rushes and six catches 26 rushes and three 22 
22 and 3, 25 touches in the last game against Chicago. It's like the low watermark, man. You know you can get behind Najee. He has got to be the ultimate cash game smash. And this one with good reason going off at 7.9. Remember the multiplier, people. You got to get four times that $1,000 amount in order to pace 200 points, right? $50,000. You need a 200. Now, I know that's just a rough estimate, but 200 will generally get the bills paid. I'm not sure Najee Harris is really a 32-point player. He has yet to eclipse that, but he really always feels like he has a mid-20s floor. Also, not the worst thing you could do, raw points being part of the equation, but we're going to have to circle Najee for sure for cash and think about him for tournaments. I think the ownership is going to be through the absolute roof. Reliance Rush D is terrible. Minus 4% Rush DVOA, 4.5 adjusted line yards, 31 attempts for a buck 35. Running backs have done their thing against the Lions. Mitchell went over 100. Montgomery went over 100. Madison went over 100. Mixon just short of 100, but he killed him through the air. And then we saw the trio of Eagles running backs all kind of do their thing. Howard, Scott, and Gainwell combined for like a buck 50. So you know people are going to be on Harris. Other than that, I think you got to be looking at Deontay Johnson. That might be my in-game pivot from Harris. We know Johnson is the target hog with Claypool down. You got to love the Deontay Johnson triple slash. 27% target share, 37% air yards, the A dot right below 10. You got to think they're going to go to him early and often. Yes, Ben can look like dust, but he passes pretty efficiently. Something I always do when betting people is I like to run the cost per point. You know, that that eight points feels around fair, maybe a bit short. That's going off at 270. So we're talking plus $30 a point, which is a pretty good offer, right? That's your offer from the book and it works in reverse for the favorite. That's what it would cost you to cover up. We could do it really quick for Pittsburgh as well. So Pittsburgh is going off at 350 for the same eight points. That's costing you $44 a point to take the money line. That's too expensive. That's when you move to the spread. So again, people, you know, when you hang with me, not only are you getting professional stuff, but I know next week, no one cares about the game analysis, but what you might remember are those lessons. It's a feather in the cap. We're trying to get better at this every single day. You know how I do, man. If you don't get better every day, you really don't move laterally in this life. If you think you stayed the same, you probably got worse. On the Lions side, I'm not interested in any of this whatsoever. I watch all these games, so you don't have to. Jared Goff is atrocious. Just impossible to get behind him right now. And then on the Lions side for DFS, yeah, it's easy to look at Swift. But again, he's been so disappointing, and it's not really his fault. You need quarterback play, even to get garbage time play. Goff just looks so, so bad that Swift has just been capped in that, even getting up near, you know, 17, 18, 20, 22 opportunities at times. For me, the price too expensive. I don't think the Lions will do anything that steal the defense looking really good. That should get it done for them. If I were on the points, it would be Detroit because of the math. But what's that tell me, people? Leave this one alone. Next up, Tampa going to Washington, laying nine and a half points. They are big favorites on the road against the football team. With all the injuries we've seen for Tampa Bay, I'm a bit surprised this line is moving away from the home squad with Washington. Man, I don't know. This one's tough. We, we've seen what happens with Brady as great as he is. I'm not selling him short. He is the GOAT. How many weapons can you lose? They're down. Everybody, Antonio Brown is down. Looks like they might be missing Godwin. They're going to be missing Gronk. Sheesh. I mean, that puts all of the onus on the defense to look at Mike Evans, who has been awesome. So I think there's a spot for him in a tournament play if you wanted to go for Tampa Bay against that leaky Washington 
past you. Let's check it out. 32% past DVOA, though the line plays very well up front. Secondary has been a major issue, allowing 38 attempts, 25 and a half completions for 289 yards a game. That's bottom three, allowing two and a half touchdowns per game. That's bottom three, 25 points a week on average to opposing quarterbacks. I believe that's worst. 11 targets and over 100 yards per game to the number one wide out against those Washington football defenders. Number one wideouts have crushed him. You know, Keenan Allen went nine for 100. Williams went for 80 that same game. Shepard at 94. Beasley for 98. Every single week, someone seems to tag him for 90 or better, though. That's improved a little bit as of late. Probably a game script thing. The Washington defense has stepped it up just a touch, though. They are allowing 28 points a game and nearly 400 yards on six yards per play. Gotta like the prospect for Tampa Bay to win, but missing all those pieces, hard to look for them to cover. Tampa Bay defense is extremely strong up front. So strong, in fact, they force other teams to abandon the run. Washington run offense is bad in the first place. Minus 19% rush DVOA. 26 attempts for a buck 18, not bad, but averaging less than four yards per running back attempt. I doubt they're going to be able to find any space to operate against these bucks. What's that mean? You gotta think Washington is going to be looking to to pass so obviously you're looking at the number one wide out Tampa Bay defense is good but in all that garbage time you can get to them defensive line as far as pass rush not great graded 66 by PFF 5% adjusted sack rate 40 attempts 27 completions for 260 yards you can get to the Buccaneers in garbage time I mean gotta think McLaurin has a chance to do some work in this one he is priced up but near other top wide outs hey maybe that'll be the thing that gets him back on on track. He's been a bit sluggish, but we have seen the ceiling games. 11-107-1 against the Giants. 6-123-2 against the Falcons. 7-122-1 against Green Bay. Do not sell McLaurin short. He has another one of those gaudy triple slashes. 27% target share, 44.6% of the air yards for his team, and a 12.5 ADOT. 573 receiving yards on the season. I am loving Terry McLaurin, especially if he's not that popular. Other player I want to look at is J.D. McKissick. We've seen the receiving upside, and that's where I think Washington football team will have to go. No, I do not think McKissick is a world beater, but I do think he's in line for eight catches again. He's done it twice so far this year, and it's just a game script thing for me. He is priced at 5.2, so multiply that by four. He'll need 20 points, something that's just pretty easily attainable when you have that eight catch upside. So I like McLaurin and McKissick, this one does have the 51 point total, could make for a good double game stack. When you're looking for those double game stacks, you want to circle a cheap piece, and you're kind of getting that with Tampa Bay and Tyler Johnson. Without all those skill players, someone has to play. We know Brady doesn't care. He's going to get it to the open receiver. The Tyler Johnson numbers are pretty low, demanding single digits in target and air, but the A dot near 10. Again, we're really not looking in the past for this production. We're more looking towards the future. Not that it's predictive. We're just hoping the opportunities will be there. He did go five for 65 last week, which at the price of 3.3 hits the multiplier. So again, don't you don't have to chase crazy high names.
games. You don't have to chase crazy high ceiling. If every player makes the multiplier, you're going to get 200 with the ugliest team you can imagine. I think Tyler Johnson has a spot in almost any lineup because of the low price point. And again, if you want a double stack, you could get with Brady to Evans and Johnson, bring it back with McLaurin and McKissick and hope to get this one to the 51 or over. I would be looking at Washington to cover with the points because of the missing pieces on Tampa. But again, this part of the year, lines are extremely sharp. I may just leave this one alone. Next up, Buffalo Bills going to meet my J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Buffalo now 11-point favorites. That number has moved down from 11.5. I even saw 12 in some spots. You know, Jets at home plus 450 on the money line, 47.5 point total. Let's dive on in. Buffalo coming off the very ugly game for me. I'm just buying the dip. Allen looked terrible. The defense still played really well. Jacksonville is poor on both sides of the ball, though. That front seven has stepped up. The Jets front seven is not any good. Let's look at the Jets defense allowing 31 points a game, 408 yards per game. Those are both, I believe, worse than that. Bottom two, just over 38 yards allowed per drive and a 77% drive success rate allowed on defense. 4.74 running back yards per carry, 133 yards on the ground. The pass defense, not much better. 29% pass DVOA allowing 275 yards per game and the Jets don't turn over the ball at all. Opposing running backs have been the story. Jets allowing 39 points a game to opposing running backs. Check this out. Everybody just done work. McCaffrey killed them in week one. Patriot running backs did a bit here and there. McNichols did a ton of work. Henry went for a buck 60. Harris went for a buck 60. And all along the way, everyone's catching tons of balls. Cordero Paris Patterson caught seven for 60 against the Jets. I mean, if you can't run it, you're catching balls. They haven't been able to stop anyone mixing up near 100 total yards. And Hines went over 100 yards. And Jonathan Taylor went up near 200 yards. That was in the same game. Jets really struggling on defense. Buffalo gonna stick it to them. Everyone is chasing Stephon Diggs. And I get it. The triple slash is gaudy. 24% target. 31% air. A dot up near 11 and a half. But eventually you gotta put some meat in those seats for me where I just go call me Missouri. I want to see it first, people. You know, you're paying a premium here. That's a big deal. It's not coming cheap. Digs missing cost you a ton. He's always going off up in the 7,000. This week, 7.5 multiplied by 4. He's going to need 28 points in this one. That's a lot. How many times has Diggs gotten 28 points this year? The answer is zero. Buffalo spreading the ball around, and that's what I think you're going to get. So this one, it's Allen. If you can get there at the price, 7.9. I'd rather him over Diggs, though quarterback, I generally don't pay up. Who you got to be looking at is Devin Singletary, of course. I'm holding my nose as I say it. This is really just an opportunity play. Someone I mentioned on the free agency show, the injury report show. Yes, only 13 touches last week, but that was with Moss if he sucks up those other touches. Again, Buffalo usually pretty limited with who touches the ball, so maybe Breida gets a couple of those Moss carries. I think it could be a Singletary day. Again, it's an ownership thing. I would much, much, much rather go to a player like the Ernest Johnson if Chubb is out. He is going to have a record ownership percentage, so he's gonna have to go bananas to even keep you paced with the field. I generally just say thanks, but no thanks. Maybe allot him 10 or 15% of your ownership, meaning I need at least five lineups if I'm gonna play him. I think you just have to go the old CMC route. You know, everyone is gonna do it. You hold your nose to fade, and if it doesn't work out, you have an edge on the field. So Devin Singletary at 4.7, a starting running back getting all the touches, easily has a chance to drop 18. We have seen him 
used in the past game a bit. He had five grabs against Tennessee. We haven't seen him carry the ball more than 14 times, but against a poor Houston run defense, 14 for 79. Maybe that's something we see against the Jets, and maybe he falls into the end zone. So if he can go for 80 yards on the ground and a score is 14, tack on a couple catches, that'll get him to that 16 mark or surpass it. So you could see how bad a player like Singletary can return it. My gut tells me Buffalo bounces back in a big way. I believe the public is now starting to sense dogs are really good. They're not. They just happen to win sometimes. I think Buffalo gets a cover, not touching the over or under because of the garbage time play in this one. Oh, I did forget one thing that I wanted to get to. Dawson Knox, part of the engine that makes that machine in Buffalo go. He should be back with the full practice. Check out the t- triple slash for a tight end. 13 and a half target, 12 and a third air percentage, 8.5 A dot. Those are pretty good for a tight end. We know Allen likes to go to him. He was good for at least three, four, five catches every single week. Plus, he's a red zone threat. Want to circle Knox at 4.5. He could get to that 18. He did it a couple times, topping that in both weeks four and five. Not touching anyone on the Jets at all. We know with Mike White, everyone is going to be running to Michael Carter. He's going off at 5.6. Going to be hard to get to 22. Yes, we saw the ceiling game. I think that caught people by surprise, and the Bills will be ready. Plus, the Bills are a much better defense than Cincinnati, who I do tend to like. But Buffalo defense elite, let's do it quick. 15 points a game, 59 plays, 263 yards, 4.5 yards a play. I mentioned them all because they're all the league lead, leading the league in yards per drive below 25 leading the league in drive success rate. They have a negative 26% rush and pass DVOA. Buffalo Bills are the best defense in the league. Get away from the Jets. Expect to see the holes in that offense. Sorry, everybody. You know, I love the J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. This is not the week. Woo, boy, oh boy. It is a lot of work trying to cover this all myself. Who is up next? It's the Atlanta Falcons going to Dallas. Atlanta is more than a touchdown underdog. Plus eight. I had this one circled on the betting board. Plus eight. Eight, going off at plus 290. That's another mid $30 point offering somewhere where you want to go. What that means is if you like the Falcons, you got to get at least a sprinkle on the money line. Remember, just because you have two bets doesn't mean you need to place two units. You can determine your own risk or your daily allotted risk and chop it up however you like. You don't have to listen to people on Twitter that carry pink handbags or give picks in bikinis. None of those things really help you make money. Trust me, I've tried them both. No, just kidding. But let's move it forward. Always do the math. Let's get into Falcons and Dallas. Falcons are starting to get it right, and I think people are going to walk into these Atlanta passing stats on the season. When you see them, they're pretty poor. The high drive success rate, the poor PFF line grade, only 11 sacks gotten, a sub-5% adjusted sack rate, but you're seeing the pass yards start to come down. The attempts, yard per completion down below 10. That's a really strong number. They had given up a lot of touchdowns early. Atlanta defense against the pass gave up at least 300 yards to each of the four quarterbacks they faced. No one has gone over a buck 96 cents, though I guess the two Giants quarterbacks did combine for like 260 or so. They kept Jones to 2829, Cousins to 184, Bridgewater to 249. I mean, granted, Jones and Bridgewater might not be totally prolific, but you can only beat the competition you face, and Atlanta defense has been getting better as of late. Dallas has been hiccuping, kind of getting hard to get behind that offense because a lot of the split work going on. We all know about Paul 
Pollard, and it does make it hard to get to Zeke. I was one of the people who stepped on that rake last week. Not that it was so much Pollard taking it, but it was Zeke that didn't get it done. Though those, you know, 10, 13 touches from a backup is always going to eat away from the starter. Same thing to be said for the passing side. Dallas getting a lot of full practices in that CD Lamb full practice. I believe Gallup is coming back. Amari Cooper got in two limited practices in a row. I think they're all going to play. So your guess is as good as mine where those targets are going. When I have that kind of feeling and I'm unsure, Lamb up at 7K, Cooper not far behind at 6.2, Gallup all the way down at 4. Even if he's activated from the IR, I wouldn't be going to him for 16. Where I am going with this point is that I'd be going with the quarterback. When I can't pick the sheep, give me the shepherd. We've seen Prescott have those ceiling games against Tampa Bay and New England going over 400 yards in each of those. Even against the Giants, he went for 303. Something that's always going to be in the range of outcomes, even against a Falcons D that has improved. Ah, man, that Falcons offense too, a little shaky, missing Ridley. Pitts is like the pure funnel right now, and they've been going to Patterson, who has been really effective. I've been having trouble getting behind all of these players in DFS because of the price. Frankly, I've been betting on the Falcons because the odds have been really good, and I feel like I've picked up on that trend. They even might make it on my money line dog outright win list here at that plus 290, and that plus 8, I'll probably get a sprinkle of each. I think the plus 8 is my favorite pick on the board. The Dallas defense has been shaky. Again, you see some strong season-long stats. The yard per game at 372 is strong, but they've gotten beaten by strong running backs, 4.5, something you're not really going to see from Mike Davis, but something you might see from Cordero Patterson. People not thinking about him as being able to run between the tackles. If you watch those games, he looks strong. He looks like the best player on the field, actually, when he's out there running. Going to be good for anywhere between 12 to 15 carries, and he'll probably put up 50, 65 yards, but if Dallas is leaky, maybe that is up near the 70s. I don't know if that gets him into the viability role. He feels like he's touchdown dependent. At 6.6, he's going to need 28 points to make the multiplier. That's a tough spot. He did it in that one game against Washington. Not really something I'd be looking to repeat, but back to the Dallas defense just briefly. They're really, really aggressive. So we see the line play is strong. They have a 76th line grade as far as pass rushing goes. It hasn't translated into sacks, but don't just fall in love with sacks. Those advanced stats tell the story of hurries, pressures. They're getting quarterbacks off their spot. Ryan has looked excellent, excellent, excellent as of late, but with the old dog, if you push him off his spot, especially with limited targets, that's going to be the Cowboys' key to success. Ah, the total is a bit too high for me at 54.5, but if you're buying that, then you got to get down with the double stack. For me, it's a bit simpler in this one. Being the type of player who plays single entries, three entry max, I usually cap my weekend at about three to five lineups. This is the over that I'm calling Fugazi on. So I'm not sure if I'm necessarily going under just yet, but I am not buying it. I'm going to let the public chase the total and kind of hold my nose and hope that this doesn't pan out. I'm hoping the over-under drags in a lot of appeal that I'm not sure will necessarily be there. Two defenses that we've seen play up and again, Falcons better as of late. That means the public is assigning 30 points to the Cowboys, leaves 24 on the table for the Falcons. I just feel like one of those is going to fall short. On deck, those Saints from NOLA heading to Tennessee. The Saints are two and a half point underdogs against 
the Titans. I had this one circled as one of my money line dog plays, something I mentioned earlier in the week. I am very reticent about laying money too early because there's missing information. The actual engine that makes the Saints move, Alvin Kamara has not practiced in two days. I would not be putting my money on the Saints without the very best player head and shoulders on the field. We know the upside for Kamara. There's almost no ceiling for him, but the one thing we're going to need, of course, is the volume, that workload, which could be limited or eliminated depending on the injury. So I am just pumping the brakes on this one. The Saints defense has looked pretty good as of late, particularly up front. That front seven, very strong. They've turned themselves into a pass funnel, minus 37% rush DVOA, leading the league in 3.02 adjusted line yards, allowing only 74 rush yards a game below three running back yards per attempt. That's also in the league league teams have had to pass where they've had some success against the Saints. They're not getting pressure up front. They've only caused 18 sacks, have a 6% adjusted sack rate, and they're allowing 273 yards per game in passing, almost 12 yards per completion. That's going to be an issue for the Saints. But again, no matter what you think about the defense, without Alvin Kamara, it's hard to see them doing anything on offense over to the Titans, who I loved. And then they lost Henry, and then they managed to beat the Rams. Go figure, but the offense didn't really look very good in that one. Tannehill only threw for 143. No one did anything on the ground. No one did anything through the air. Julio Jones led the way with four catches for 35 yards. That one was a defensive battle. A.J. Brown had five for 42, excuse me, in that one as well. Neither one of them meeting potential or paying the price. This one to me feels like it's going to be really, really ugly. I did like the Saints to win it outright. The total feels pretty good at 44, nice and low. My lean would be the Saints to win and give me the under. But until I know if Kamara is playing, I'm not touching it. But I will say this about the Titans as well. I don't think I like them to win as a minus 145 favorite even without Kamara. I have to see what this team is and what they're capable of, what their fundamental shift is going to be without Henry. You can't go from giving a guy 35 carries a week to not having an answer. Deontay Foreman had five carries. McNichols had seven, though he's really more of a pass-catching back. And Peterson had 10 carries, but it was for 20 yards. Yeah, he fell into the end zone. Again, the Saints give up nothing on the ground. The Titans may have to purely go through the air, which could open the door for those Titans pass catchers. I know I had some good stuff on the triple slashes here. Let me just bring it up really quick. Yeah, Tennessee. I mean, A.J. Brown, target monster, 28% targets, 46% air. The A dot up near 11.5. When Julio's on the field, 17% of the targets, 27 air, 12 A dot. Both of those guys, pretty strong. The triple slash is looking pretty good. So I don't think I'm going to get there with my lineups considering the total, but if you're a GPP player, you have to circle the Titans stack. I think that should be a priority. In fact, if you're a GPP player, A.J. Brown at 7.8, a little tough, but if you pair it with Julio Jones at 5.4, they average out in the low sixes, which is really isn't too bad, which is exactly where you get Tannehill. So to get a full-on super stack, you know, the best three players on the team for 18 total combined DraftKings Bucks, that's not terrible. And if I were going that route, I would be ignoring the run back. Not something I would disclude Kamara from again if he was healthy, but he's not. So for right now, this one is a hold. If Kamara happens to sneak in a full practice and take some contact today, I would love the Saints 
Again, I would probably like him to win at plus 125. But here's a bit of that math I was talking about in the other direction. The Saints are plus 2.5. That's minus 110 or minus 105. The money line going off at plus 125. So there, it's a $30 difference. Two and a half points. That's only a $12 offer, which is not a great deal. We've seen the offerings be up as high into the 30s. So you want to leave the money line on this one and take the points because they're cheap. All right, there's just a lesson or two for you out there in Radio Land. Next up, another double-digit spread. There seems to be a ton of these lately. I thought this was a league of parity. Jacksonville Jaguars coming off a tremendous win against the Buffalo Bills where they hung a monstrous nine points going to Indianapolis to face those Colts. This is a one of the rare times you'll hear me talking about laying 10 points. I've been on this Indianapolis team all season long. We were betting on them as underdogs. We were betting on them as slight favorites and now they're moving up to heavy favorites and I don't think this one is nearly that close. Jacksonville offense is putrid 16 and a half points that's worst in the league only 333 yards per game bottom three in time of possession per drive at two minutes and 37 seconds they're not efficient they struggle to run speaking of which gotta keep an eye on James Robinson he's very important to that offense he did get any limited practice but nothing definitive yet without him you smash that 10. I think his possibility of playing is what's keeping this one that close note for everybody that Indianapolis Colts offensive line that I was so in love with coming in is finally healthy they had all five pieces playing together for the first time this year and in case you didn't know the running backs went bananas against the Jets Taylor went for nearly 200 Hines went for another 100 himself those are combined yards we know the Jets struggle with running backs but part of it were those wide open rushing lanes Naheem Hines generally not thought of as an excellent runner between the tackles he had six 74 and one they had gaping hallways to run through so you gotta like the Colts in this one the run game extremely strong four and a half adjusted line yards 27 attempts for a buck 37 on the ground top three in running back yards per attempt at 5.32 Colts defense has struggled through the air and that's why I know Jacksonville is getting some love I am not buying that people I'm sorry I'm just not buying it yes Josh Johnson went for 317 that was a ton of garbage time they have held five opponent quarterbacks below 250 yards where you want to be. I was also looking at the pace of play here. This one is extremely important. I'm probably going to bust some bubbles on Michael Pittman. It's to the Colts, one of the slowest operating teams in the league, 34.1 seconds per play. That might even be dead last, and they are just as slow in neutral seconds per play. That's at 29, also near the slowest in the league. They're going to look to run the clock. Carson Wentz has been really effective. He's not a killer down field they're not going to need him to be that brings me to Pittman what I mentioned before I think he's really a game script kind of guy believe it or not meaning in order for him to get that volume that we've fallen in love with on certain occasions 23% target share 33% air yards 10.4 a dot listen the triple slash is in place there's no doubt about it but I think it will depend on the competition the games that they were behind or the times that you really saw those target totals fly he does have one, two, three games of four targets or left out of nine. So one third of the games, he hasn't really been targeted. Something that you have to think about when we're putting ourselves in those strong probabilistic scenarios to succeed. Now, 